Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Billy Humphrey shares how the Lord led him to be the pastor of Gatekeepers and casts vision for the future. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. There's much, so I'm just saying that there's much in our hearts that we want to share. And as I was praying about tonight, like what direction are we going? I really felt like it was uh, a moment to share our story. It was a moment to share prophetically and really just a moment of impartation and vision more than any kind of specific, here's the plan, okay? And, and so um, what I want to do is I want to tell y'all how it came about from my side, and, and I think what you're going to find is by the end of this, Casey took us on a 10-year journey last week. I'm, I'm going to take you on a 25-year journey, and you're going to find yourself, I think, uniquely and dynamically in a long prophetic story, and I just, I believe this deeply, that you're here by divine appointment even tonight, that this group, this crew that we're sort of starting afresh with that it's been a, a leading of the Lord that's brought us to this place. I'm saying that brought you here, brought me here, Mary Beth, all of us, Gus and Shirley, all of us together, the Lord divinely directing us to this moment. And so that's the way I feel about tonight, that this is one of those sovereign intersections, that we're in a prophetic moment. I'm not going to say that to you every week. <laughs> Maybe I will. If we are in prophetic moments, I'll try to alert you. But you'll, you'll find this out about me really quickly. I don't want any hype. I want real Jesus. I don't want hyped up Jesus. I don't want you on a sugar high. I want you completely filled with power, the power of the Holy Spirit, and living that way. So if I'm telling you I think we're in a divine moment and that this is a divine appointment, it's because I really believe that. And so I'll just start with this. It's sometime in the fall, Casey and I are out fishing, and uh, I think I was whooping him that day, just being honest. Uh, and we're out fishing. This is in the fall. And he's, he says, and he, he and I, he's my main fishing buddy. And so he and I go fishing a ton. And he says, hey, listen, when I go on sabbatical, we want to start the year strong. What would you think about, you know, taking the first couple weeks of January and preaching in gatekeepers? Now, in the fall, I'm just coming back from sabbatical. And I'm, like, trying to say no to everything. And those of you that don't know, I'd been on sabbatical for nine months. And it was a time of refreshing and, and a real time of challenge in a lot of ways and a real time of blessing, time of going deep with my family, deep with the Lord. But I'm coming back and I'm trying to say no to everything because I'm not trying to go full speed back into ministry. I'm trying to like pace myself and just do, do you know, be healthy. And so he goes, hey, what did you think about, uh, you know, coming and speaking at Gatekeepers first couple weeks of the year, just get a little momentum going? And honestly, I'd, in my... In, I'd, I'd, 
honestly, I didn't want to do it. I just went, Ugh. and then I just look at Casey, and he's, just so, he's such a teddy bear. And I went, yeah, bro, for sure. I, you got it, for sure. Yeah, I'm totally there. I will, I'll do that. And um, didn't think much about it for the next several months. Got to, like, December and was like, oh, dude, I got to start the year on Thursday nights doing gatekeepers. Oh, like, my schedule's already ramping back up. This is intense. And, man, I'm going to have to be, like, extra night. Okay, Lord, yes, there's grace. I know there's grace. So that first week I come in. How many were happen to be here that first week of January? Just see several. Wait, so if you were not here the first week of January, raise your hand. Okay, interesting. Well, I come in the first week of January, and the room is about this full. And uh, James and Becca are like, yeah, we're getting a little, it looks like uptick, because people heard you're coming, so they're going to be there. I was like, oh, that's fun. So I'm standing in the back. What's, I'm missing the joke. What is it? You just, okay. So I'm standing in the back. I want to, I want to know. Let me in. Uh, and I'm standing there, and Veronica's up here, and she is blowing. I mean, she is crushing it in worship. And it's like, a, for sure, like anointed in the room. I'm like, this is awesome. And, uh, and I'm standing back there, and all of a sudden, I start getting all these ideas about stuff that, I don't know, we can do with gatekeepers. And I'm like, I, I, why, wait, wait, wait. Why am I having all these ideas about gatekeepers? That's dumb. I'm not leading gatekeepers. Casey's on sabbatical. It's not like I'm going to change a whole bunch of stuff in gatekeepers while he's not here. Okay, whatever that is, Lord, just get that out of my head. I just bind that, rebuke that, get out of here. I don't know why I'm thinking that way. But there's, there's, there's anointing on the worship. I'm having all these ideas. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, and I'm like, man, revival is in the air. Like, I could just sense, I was like, man, there's like hunger in here. Like, this is, this is good. And before I even preached, I, I was, I, my heart was so drawn, and I just could not stop thinking all these ideas. So 30 minutes into worship in the back, I go, Lord, are you telling me that you want me to be involved with gatekeepers somehow more in the days ahead? Is, is that what you're saying? If that's what you're saying, then just make it super clear to me and like, whatever, confirm it a bunch of different ways. And, and, I, and I just kind of threw a fleece out there. I was like, all right, if you blow it up tonight, then I'll start paying attention. And that first, that first night of the year, uh, I mean, the Lord met us in the altar and it popped and then you guys went crazy and then it was like 10 o'clock. And then like, there's a dance party and it's like 1030. I'm like, dang. Like, this is what they do every week. All right. This is all right. But I was thinking, man, maybe the Lord's, huh. So I'm like out of here. I'm in my office. It's like I'm buzzing. I'm like, man, that was anointed in there. And um, like Becca comes and she's getting ready to leave. I go, hey, this sounds crazy, I know, but I don't, I feel like the Lord's stirring me something about gatekeepers. I don't know. Who knows? I go, maybe something crazy is going to happen in case he comes back. Maybe you're, I don't know. Maybe I'm supposed to, you know, help lead in the days ahead. Who knows? I'm just like spitballing it. I go, but if any, if you need anyone else, if you, if you need me to speak any more times in gatekeepers, I'm in. I'm in. 
So I come back the next week, and I'm like, all right, Lord, if you blow it up tonight, I know you're calling me to be in gatekeepers because I'm feeling it through the whole week. I can't stop thinking about y'all. And the next week, it was good. It was just good. <laughs> There's no explosions. No bombs went off. It was good. And I, and I went back to my office after that, and I went, hmm, okay. So it's not just going to be, if you're asking me to do this, you want me to get the sense of there are moments of challenge and there's moments of, you know, incredible grace and blessing. And yes, I know this, but yeah, okay, just let me not, let me get out of my fantasy of revival starts next week. And then what happens is Dustin is getting ready to go on his own sabbatical. And so he hits me up. He goes, hey, I heard a... Oh, no, no, no. He, he calls Becca, and then Becca goes, hey, Dustin just canceled for two weeks. You want the next two weeks? I go, oh, yeah, I do, for sure, for sure. So I come in, and I preach, and then that next one, it kind of pops off, and I'm like, huh, I think this, there's something going on. And so at this point, I'm talking to my wife, and, I'm, and Mary Beth and I are having that conversation. I go, I don't know what this is, but I feel so drawn to gatekeepers, and maybe we're supposed to lead it. Like, I don't know. I mean, we're not going to take it from Casey. I mean, he's, duh, we pay him to be the young adult pastor, so he can do it as long as he wants to do it, but maybe the Lord's like trying to, and, I, and I'm just trying to figure it out. Maybe he's trying to prime us for next year or the end of the year. I don't know. Preach the following week. It's good. Next week is Leadership Summit, and then the next week and I get up here, and I'm gutted. I, before I even can speak, I'm in my office, and I'm shaking under the presence of the Lord for like an hour, and I'm weeping uncontrollably, which I can't remember the last time. I mean, that's happened to me many times in my life, but I don't remember the last time that happened to me prior to preaching. Come in here, just rip my heart open, share it with y'all, blows up again. So three out of five are like, there's a plus one at least in the atmosphere. Dance party goes to 1030. And I'm, I'm in this process with the Lord, and Mary Beth and I are praying. And, and by this point, we'd asked our sons to pray, like, hey, pray about this. We don't know, maybe. So then it's middle of February, and Casey and I have our infamous fishing trip. He did not beat me 36 to 4. He, he did beat me. I think he was like, I think that one was like 6 to 1. Yes, that was Kobe with the troll laugh. Thank you. Maybe it's 6 to 2. Anyway, he did beat me. And it, it went down just like he said. I go, bro, you're on sabbatical. Share anything you want to share. You, we don't have to talk about ministry. We can talk about stupid stuff. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. We don't have to talk about anything deep. I just want you to feel free in heart. You just, whatever. I go, we don't have to talk about the future. He goes, no, no, I want to. I go, oh, all right, well, whatever you want to talk about. You just, you just lay it out there, and we can talk about it all. And so he starts processing his future. He starts processing his desire for teaching and discipleship. He's processing all this stuff. Now, I had said privately, the only way I'll tell Casey that I'm praying about gatekeepers is if Casey says to me he's praying about stepping out of gatekeepers. 
That's the only way I would say something to him. And so he starts, and he's doing, and just like he said last week, he is, what do you think I should do? I go, bro, you got, you know, you got to hear the Holy Ghost yourself. You're a son of God, son of God, led by the Spirit of God. You got to do that. <laughs> you know, I'm like not trying to like, I, where this thing starts going, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, we are not, I didn't think we were going there. So I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, follow your heart. <laughs> I mean, because he's on sabbatical. I'm not trying to mess his sabbatical up. And, uh, and so finally, he just goes, uh, no, man, I need, he goes, I need you to speak into me right now. And my spiritual father's heart went boom, boom, boom. And I went, okay, buddy. He goes, well, what do you think? And I go, and exactly, he said it, he quoted me. He goes, I know, and here's what I said. I go, I know you won't be happy unless you're doing teaching in a deep way, teaching theology, teaching the Bible, and discipling people in the word. I know that. So whatever it is, I know it's that. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, me and Kristen are really praying about it. And I said, all right, let me ask you this. If you had teaching and discipling people in the word, or you had gatekeepers, and you, you could pick either one. I go, which one would you take? Just, it's all free. I won't hold you to anything. Just tell me what your heart is saying. And he goes, I would take the teaching and discipling people in the Word. And I went, oh, my gosh. Because now I'm at that moment where he's like, I'm serious. And then he goes, I'm seriously praying about transitioning out of gatekeepers. And then he said this. He goes, but I could never leave gatekeepers. I love them so much. I'm so committed to them. I want to be a pastor. I want to serve them. He goes, but I'm seriously praying about if this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm just silent. I'm like, oh, my God. I can't believe he just said that. What the crap? I'm like throwing it on the bank. I'm like, what? The? So I'm stunned. And, uh, and he goes, so what do you think? And I'm just silent. I'm like, he just said the phrase. He said the thing. And so I go, um, so, well, he goes, what do you think? I go, what if I told you that I felt like God's speaking to me about leaving gatekeepers? He goes, <laughs> in only the way Casey can, he turned around and he goes, I think that might be the Lord. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It was one of those, did we just become best friend moments? It was one of those. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, we're, oh, my gosh. We're, this, is, this is serious. Like, this, this is serious. So then we said, okay, look, let's, don't tell anybody. We're like, don't tell anybody. Let's pray about this. Let's get together in a couple weeks. Let's talk through it. Is, what's the Lord saying? So I see him like a week later. He, I go, how are you doing? He goes, good. How are you doing? I go, I'm good. I go, you thought anymore? He goes, it's all I've thought about. I'm like, oh, my gosh. He goes, I can't wait to meet. I'm like, you feel good? He goes, yeah, I feel really good. I go, like, you feel good about transitioning out and me transitioning? He goes, yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So there's a couple moments in there where I'm thinking, what am I doing? I'm old and they're young. And, you know, they, like, I love young people, always have, but uh, they need a young dude. They need a big teddy bear Casey 
pastor. And I'm like, this is not, what am I thinking? And as soon as I had that, Dustin, he goes, hey, I had a dream last night. Here's the dream. I walk in on a Thursday night. I notice Billy is speaking at gatekeepers. The Holy Spirit was moving in the room powerfully. Billy was calling for the house of prayer to be built. Many were responding. I woke up strongly sensing the Holy Spirit resting on me, which I knew that part of the prophetic history of Forerunner and all of that before we ever started a young adult ministry ever was that God was going to set up a train between uh, Georgia Gwinnett and our prayer room, and people were going to be coming back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And this is the way that works in the house of prayer. Every about seven years, you look, and it's like, oh, dang, we got old again. And just me being honest with you, we're in one of those moments like, oh, dang, we got old again. We're in the, we're in the old moment, and I believe we're about to get young again. One of the things that I began to see in my heart was Gen Z, you guys, taking over in the prayer room. The beginning of the year when I, when I prayed for you guys, singers and musicians, I, could, I begin to see the beginnings of that now. But just dream. Some of you guys that aren't dreamers, it's okay, but just dream with me for a minute. What if, what would it look like if we start popping off And I mean, we start seeing God move in power on Thursday nights. And every single night, we're just hungry, can't get enough, got to have more, can't get enough, got to have more. And then we go ahead and just take the prayer room. And it's not, you know, just, Lord, I lift your name on high. It's y'all's thing. Y'all's sound. Y'all's music. And you do it your way. That first week that it popped off in here, y'all got into a zone. I don't really know what that music was. It was a chanty, dancey, drummy situation that I had never, I mean, I don't think y'all knew what it was exactly, but it was so anointed and so powerful, and the whole room was on it. Everybody was on it, and it was a sound. It was a different sound, and it wasn't, it, it had, it was Bible, and it was worship, and it was powerful, but it wasn't your, your standard, Lord, I lift your name on high. It was something different. And y'all just found a vein, and the whole room was in the vein. What if it popped off in a way that Thursday night's not enough, so we got to go Friday night, but Friday night is just Gen Z takes the prayer room. And then Saturday night, it's Gen Z takes the prayer room. And Sunday night, it's Gen Z takes the prayer room. One of the original prophecies about night and day prayer, 24-7 worship and prayer. This prophetic man named Bob Jones, he said this. He said, there's not a prayer room in town where a young man can get delivered. And see, we got to quit seeing the prayer room as this old people thing. It's never supposed to have been an old people thing. Can old people come? For sure. But it was always a youth movement doing night and day worship and prayer for a full global revival, a move of revival across the nations unto the full salvation of Israel. And if that's not in your understanding, we're going to spell that out in days ahead. But it was always a youth movement, night and day worship and prayer, massive revival under the full salvation of Israel and the return of the Lord. The idea that your generation would take over the prayer room and release a sound in there night after night after night after night, that's not some far-fetched thing. I think that's our destiny. I think that's totally what's in God's mind. 
And it doesn't have to look like what the 30 and 40-year-olds are doing right now in there. It can totally look like you. It can totally sound like you. It can totally be what God's putting in you and bringing through you. I don't want to direct it. I want you to. And so I just have this thing in my mind, well, what if it pops off Thursday? What if it pops off Friday? What if it pops off Saturday? What if it's 8 to 2 a.m. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's all Gen Z? What if? So that thing's moving in my heart. And, that, and when I get Dustin's dream, I'm like, that's what I begin to see. So we get together, we talk, we pray, and finally we get together, and it's me, Casey, Dustin, Hazen, all of the key leaders and operators of the church, and, and we're talking it through, and it's a done deal. And so Casey, it says, I'm transitioning. He's going to take over the D school. This is like, this is like end of February and, uh, or beginning of March, maybe. I don't, I, my dates are a little squirrely. And, and, and so we've made the decision now, and I'm going, I, I literally have one of those, oh, my gosh, what have I done moments. This is now, um, so, yeah, late February, and Dustin, and so I'm literally in the, I'm in the fear of, I think I've actually screwed up. I thought you were leading me, Lord, but clearly you're not, and oh, dear God, what are we going to do? And again, Dustin, next day, has a dream. Now, hear this one. In his dream, he says this, I am at uh, Gatekeepers on a Thursday night. There is clearly a move of God taking place. Worship is lasting a long time, and the presence of God is increasing. I'm not observing, but actively participating. Billy is directing and facilitating the service and is a younger version of himself. I'll just underline that because this is about to get interesting. The presence of God is very intense. I double over under the weight of the glory of God. I wake up sensing the presence of God deep in my gut, in my inner man. It's 1144 when he wakes up. Now, a lot of times, just watch your dreams, because a lot of times when you get a time on your dream, there's a Bible verse that goes with that time. So I start looking up chapter 44 is verse 11. It's 1144. So a lot of times it's 11 chapter verse 44 or 44 chapter verse 11 either direction. The Lord will do it either direction. Ezekiel 44, 11. Ready? They shall be ministers in my sanctuary as gatekeepers of the house and ministers of the house taking the whole thing over. So once I got that dream, now I'm starting to feel the fuzzies. Once I got that dream, I went, Okay. Okay, Lord, I hear you. This is you. This really is you. Then um, we go another month. I get another dream. And in this dream, I'm in a red Superman suit. Glory to God. (laughs) Superman suit. And my whole message, oh, well, before somebody gave me that dream. So I got that dream on a Friday. On the Thursday, uh, Michael Miller, the pastor of Upper Room, texts me. He goes, bro, I love you so much. Thinking about you right now. And I go, oh, man, love you too, bro. What's... I go, I'm preaching on the blood this weekend. I want to hear if you got anything on the blood, hit me up. He goes, well, since you said that, the reason I'm texting you is because I had a vision of you, and you were in a red cape. And he goes, it must be the blood. And I'm like, yes, Lord. 
So then the next day, I get someone gives me a dream, and I'm in a red Superman suit, but this time it's full spandex, hallelujah. Don't try to visualize it. And, and a red cape. And uh, my message is the blood of Jesus. It's humility. My son Evan is in the dream. Now watch this. And Evan tells the dreamer, the person having the dream, and he says, uh, I've not seen my dad like this since I was a young child. Remember, younger version of himself. And um, my message is the blood of Jesus and, uh, and, and humility. And I say in the dream, I'm starting over. I just say, I'm starting over. Now, all this is going to make sense in just a half a second. It's making sense, but it's about to make a lot more sense. <laughs> so let me go ahead now and explain what happened to me on Monday. Oh, no, no, no. Last Thursday. Come to last Thursday. Casey... Man, he did so good last week. I just, every time I hugged him, I was like, bro, you did so stinking good. Like, gosh, that was good. And the message is in the group me. You can listen to it if you missed it last week. And, um, and jump in the group me if you're not in there. I was surprised some people weren't in there. Like, Mary Beth and I jumped in, so jump on in. And um, anyway, and I, I told my boys, I go, I'm a little eager to post, but I don't want to be the over-eager, like, new guy. So I just, like, chill. I really, I've been thinking about you guys nonstop. I can't stop thinking about you and praying for you. That might sound a little weird, but it's just true. My heart, my heart started getting shattered for you when the Lord was taking me through that process. And then I went to Asbury on, I was at Asbury on Valentine's Day. And it was like I fell in love with young people again. And my son got so touched and was just in travail in the altar. He was in such travail, he was sweating. And then he was in such travail that they thought he needed special prayer support. <laughs> I'm like, I got it, I got it, I'm his dad, I got it. Back up. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, so then uh, last Thursday, Alicia sends to me, I know none of y'all are on Facebook anymore, <laughs> But she sends to me this memory that's on Facebook. And is it from the Forerunner Gatekeepers Facebook? Forerunner Church Facebook. Now watch this. Do y'all know what the prophetic number, the, the number eight means prophetically? New, new beginnings. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Seven is completion or perfection. Eight is new beginnings. That's just kind of a known thing. So she sends me this memory from Facebook. Facebook is a social media thing that old people use. Um, and it's eight years ago. This, now, this is last Thursday. It's eight years ago to the day. It's April 6th, 2015. And on April 6th, 2015, was the first time that Mary Beth and I ever spoke at Forerunner Church. Fast forward eight years new beginnings, and Casey's preaching his last message, and we're going to bless him, and he's going to bless us in new beginnings. So fast forward now to Monday. Monday through Wednesday, we're fasting and prayer for us this week, and on Monday, I'm sitting in the prayer room, and the first day of this fast, and I'm meditating, and 
on the Lord. And uh, I hear the Lord say this phrase from my, a, a message I preached 22 years ago. I hear it in my head. And the phrase is, you gatekeepers get ready. You gatekeepers get ready. It's coming. And it's coming suddenly. That's the phrase I hear in my head. I immediately text Jamie and Jamie. I just like to share prophetic things with them. I text them, and she texts me back instantly. She goes, I should have told you this. I promise you, I had that exact phrase in my head this morning. The Lord was saying it to me over and over and over. All right. Now, I'm not going to always tell you stories from my youth group. I've got more stories than what happened in my youth group. I mostly don't ever tell youth group stories, but I need to bring you into a context. Are y'all still with me? Am I going too long? Okay. I need to bring you into a context of my prophetic journey, my wife and I, our prophetic journey, okay? So I was a youth pastor for 13 years. Um, we transitioned out of being in youth ministry in 2003. We moved to Kansas City, and we were there for a year. We got trained up in how to do the house of prayer, moved back in 2004 and planted the house of prayer. But when I was a youth pastor, um, my youth group, we named it 212. And I named it that because of Isaiah 64, 1 and 2, O Lord, rend the heavens and come down as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil. 212 is the boiling point of water. Uh, make your name known among the nations. So we named the youth group that. And then probably like a year later, um, one of my really close friends, funny story enough, he is getting ready to announce that he's running for president. True story, true enough. We'll talk about that another time. It's just so wild. Uh, but he's not a freak. He's like awesome. And he dreams all the time. And the Lord's been speaking to him. Anyway, it's another whole other thing. All right. So one of my friends gives me this Bible verse, this obscure Bible verse from First Chronicles 9. And in it, it says, the number of the gatekeepers was 212. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Never saw that before. That's interesting. And really didn't do anything with it. And then carried that for a while. And the Lord began to stir in my youth group. And we were so stirred in intercession. I was just teaching these guys to cry out to God, to believe for revival, to believe for breakthrough. And um, I started studying what gatekeepers were biblically and prophetically. And gatekeepers prophetically are known as people who open the gates for the presence of God to come into places, to regions, to locations. That's what gatekeepers prophetically are known as. Naturally, biblically, gatekeepers were actually those that opened and closed the temple of the Lord and the tabernacle of David. So I named my youth group 212, not knowing I was getting ready to plan a house of prayer 24 hours a day that was going to be in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. I didn't know any of that when I named the youth group. And I had this whole thing, gatekeepers, gatekeepers. In fact, our leadership shirts all said gatekeepers. They didn't say 212. Well, what happened in my youth group is this. We end up going really, really hard in intercession, and we end up with a move of the Spirit that breaks open in my youth group. And I've shared a little bit about it with you guys. But for nine months, we're meeting four times a week with teenagers. But it wasn't just teenagers. It was like, they were like 13 to like 21. There was just a ton of young people. 
I think when, when we transitioned, we had about 350 young people. But in the revival, we went nine months, four nights a week, and the power of God was hitting us in an onslaught. And it was so intense. So many times I would leave the meeting at 12 o'clock. I'd go to Waffle House, eat to try to chill myself out, go home. I'd be home by 2. My wife is home because she's got babies. My, my, my sons are little and I'm laying in bed. It's 2.30 in the morning, and I'm shaking uncontrollably under the power of God. I can't turn it off. There was that level of anointing hitting me. And it wasn't just me. It was hitting, like, our whole crew. I mean, it was, like, I mean, almost like I've never seen before. And it was night after night after night. And I could preach a message on Jesus, anything on Jesus, and give an altar call. And there were so many people that were coming that were unsaved because so many of the young people were just... They were just grabbing anybody they could to get them to church. And I was preaching messages. And when I would give an altar call, I mean, every night, 10, 15, 20, 25 kids were coming and getting saved, crying in the altar. We quit counting rededications. We only counted salvations. And in nine months in my youth group, 600 people made first-time commitments for Jesus. But then we would lay hands on everybody after the service that wanted a touch from the Lord, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, and the power of God was blasting people. And they would, people would go out under the power of God and be gone for two and three hours at a time, not fake, blown up. I remember having, did I tell you guys a story about having to take the kid and putting him in his parents? Yeah, I told you that story. I mean, it was, it was that kind of a thing. Like his dad comes in, he goes, what'd you do to my son? I'm like... God knocked him out, you know, like I've got no good answer. But I had times where, I had times, and this isn't to condition anybody, don't anybody put any fakes on, we don't want fakes, but I had times where people were getting hit so powerfully by the power of God, they would shake under the power of God for two and three days, go to school like that, and get sent home. And then the parents call me, what did you do to my daughter? She couldn't go to school today, she was shaking uncontrollably. I literally had to talk this one Russian mama out of her believing that I poisoned her daughter. Because God was blowing people up. And the only way I can describe it is, man, if I opened up a socket in the wall and you put your hand in there, you'd feel something. Well, guess what? When God puts his hand on your heart, you'll feel something. And not everybody experiences the Lord in the same way. Not everybody shakes, falls. It's not about shaking and falling. It's about hunger. It's about the want. Because you can't get the want. The, the want is the point. That you want God, that's the point. Human hearts don't want God by themselves. The idea that you hunger for God, that's only God because none seeks God. No, not one. It's not about who falls, who shakes, who does any of the manifestations. That's not the point. The point is the desire for him. When that's hitting a heart, then heaven's moving. Well, this was night after night after night after night. And it was, I mean, it was a powerful season. I mean, this is my favorite season I've ever had with the Lord. And I don't, I love revival and I want revival so badly and Corey will be here this weekend. We wrote a book on revival. Y'all should really all read my book. I'll give it to you. I don't, I mean, it's not about money. It's about getting something in you that marks you. But 
the, the reason I want revival is because when you're in revival, God is as close as your skin. He's manifest that way. And, um, and so I remember the season when it was coming to an end. And I, re- I, I just had this sense like, oh, this is coming to an end. And in, in the presence of the Lord, there's a phenomenon in revival that's different, just the presence. It's just different. I mean, it was so powerful in my youth ministry that people were driving into the parking lot and falling out of their car. And at times, we had different times where somebody had fallen out in the parking lot on the way into the building, and they, nobody knew because they fell out in between two cars, and they'd been laying out there for two hours. I, it's just true stories. It's just so wild. This power was hitting everywhere. And kids were, I mean, I had one girl, she had been kind of like lukewarmish. She got so lit up, I had to get her her own van because she was bringing 15 people to church every single week. She had to have her own 15-passenger van to bring her own youth group to church. It was just, it was wild times. But I remember when I was leaving this one night, and I knew this thing was getting ready to come to an end. I, I knew things were shifting. And I was driving out of the parking lot, and I was just pained, and I was, like, weeping. And I was like, God, how, this is, like, everything I've been believing for and praying for and asking for. And, and, and it's this thing is, it feels like this thing is over. And the Lord, he says to me, I just, I'll never forget, he says, son, it's okay. You're going to have another chance. And I just, I mean, I drove away that night just like aching. And sure enough, it was a matter of a month or something, and it, it kind of had lifted. And what's wild is in my youth group, we still got radical healings, radical people saved, but the phenomenon of revival had lifted. Like we had, we had a bona fide cancer healed after the revival. I mean, it was just, it's a different environment when revival is happening. It's just different. God's taken over. And I remember the Lord speaking to me in the days following that and saying, what you've seen is only an appetizer for what I'm going to release. And from that day till now, and that was 2001 and 2002 that that happened. I mean, revival has been my like my go-to intercession, my go-to prayer, my go-to desire, God release revival, specifically a youth and young adult revival, specifically in Gwinnett County. Give us 100,000 in Gwinnett County born again. I've been crying and believing God for that for almost 25 years. And so then on Monday, I remember this sermon, you gatekeepers get ready. You gatekeepers, get ready. It's going to come, and it's going to come suddenly. And I'm like, man, I, I got, all of a sudden, I get this strong impression in my soul. I was like, I got to hear this. I, I got I to get this. And so I have that actual message. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to play it, and it's just an excerpt of the message. Now, I'll just contextualize it for you. I preached this message 
I preached it two months before revival hit my youth group. Okay, I preached it two months before revival hit. And um, it was so clear to me when I preached this message that we were about to step into a move of the Spirit. I was in full faith. And you'll hear on, on this excerpt, you'll hear the, the uh, young people screaming. There was a moment, I've probably experienced this half a dozen times where I'm in my ministry where I'm preaching and all of a sudden, it's like the room comes completely under the influence of heaven. And this is one of those nights. And so I preached this message on gatekeepers, on what it means to be gatekeepers. And it's two months later that the revival pops. And um, last thought, and we'll play the track. I would just say this. I think... I think this message that I preached 22 years ago is for us right now. Now, I don't know how you think about prophetic things. I don't know if, that, if, you're, if God is big enough for you to do something like that. But when you hear this, you judge and see if the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you, okay? So with that, I'm going to let Danny play the track. Now, oh, oh, oh. It's, it's a little dramatic. It's a little dramatic. There's just some music tracks and stuff in there. And it's, it's 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, and Jamie Boy put this together, oddly enough. All right, go ahead. And try to take it seriously, please. Loud as you get it. Loud as you can get it. All those chosen as gatekeepers... We're 212. All those chosen as gatekeepers were 212. We're 212. Can I tell you something? I didn't even know what a gatekeeper was when I first read that scripture. Can I tell you something else? Whenever we named our youth church, I didn't even know that scripture was in the Bible. Can I tell you something else? As I found out that gatekeepers are people that open up the presence of God in cities and locations and bring about the revival that God is wanting to do in places, and I saw 212 in there, I about came out of my skin. Gatekeepers are preparing people for the presence of God. Gatekeepers are preparing people for the anointing of God. And gatekeepers are the ones that open up the gate to let the glory of the Lord come on in. I'm trying to tell you this, guys. Listen, 2,400 years ago, 2, 1,200 years ago, God wrote in his book 
that 212 were supposed to be gatekeepers for our city and for our county and for young people. And if you've got guts to believe it, then you'll take the responsibility of what that means. Can I tell you something, guys? I believe this, and I don't believe this is haughty. I don't believe this is arrogant. I don't believe this is me trying to spiritualize things. I know for a fact God does not, there's no coincidences with God. I know for a fact that when God sets something up a million years ago, that it comes to pass in its time and its place. The Bible says this, the vision is for an appointed time. It will not tear, it will come to pass. Stay on the vision. And I know this, that for the last four years, I've been praying and preaching and eating and sleeping and drinking and breathing revival and praying for God to break out in our county, in our city. And many of you guys have the same heart to see God move in power and fire, that the fire of God would fall in your school, that the fire of God would fall out all out in the public, that when you walk into that QT that God knew it was going to be built, that God built that QT just so you can walk in there under the anointing of God and see everybody slain under the power of God. There's QTs out there waiting for Jesus. And here's the thing. There is a responsibility that I believe the Lord is trying to lay upon us if you will step up to bat and take this thing seriously. And this responsibility is to be gatekeepers in our city people who will say open the gate and let the king of glory come in to me you are not here by accident you are not here by just a chance God saw a million years ago what was going to be going on here in Atlanta he knew what the name of the youth group was going to be and he wanted you to be a part of it he knew that you were called to be a gatekeeper he knew you'd answer the call he knew you'd stand up he knew you'd pray he knew you'd go after god he knew you'd aggressively pursue god he knew you'd be consumed by the fire he knew you would ignite the revolution this is so real this is so real God sent you a message 2400 years ago to confirm this 2400 years ago he wrote in this book so we believe I'm telling you revival's coming I'm telling you get ready revival's coming I'm telling you gatekeepers get ready you gatekeepers get ready it's coming it's coming and it's going to come suddenly. Cause you're all I want. You're all I need. You're everything. Everything. You're all I want. You're all I 
Just uh, let's just stand together. Look, I'm I'm beyond youth group tricks. I believe in my guts. God's going to release revival through us. To us and through us. I believe that's why this thing is called gatekeepers even right now. been praying 25 years for revival in this county. And I never stopped because I believed it was coming. And I think this is the time. I believe tonight God wants to set something in our hearts. It's different. Different about the way we think about our lives and why we're here. About the moment that we're living in. Step into his will. So Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. Come powerfully right now. And I tell you, God, I don't want hype or anything contrived, but I want you to have your way. I want you to do everything that's in your heart, Lord. I want you to have the reward of your sufferings. I want you, Lord, to pull a generation from the fire. thousands upon thousands all over this region they don't know you they don't know you God 18 to 25 year olds lost but you are greater than the devastation you're greater than the destruction that's gripping Gen Z. I believe, God, you want to release revival. You want to break in on GGC. 
You want to break in on UGA, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, Mercer, Oglethorpe, Clark Atlanta, Spelman, North Georgia, Kennesaw State. You want to break in all across this region. So I'm asking you, God, to do something only you can do. You would grip us. You would grip us with a vision that would consume us. You put a power on the inside of us. You put a breaker on us. You do something dramatic through us. That even now, you'd mark our hearts. Huh. I just want to ask you if your heart is resonating with what I'm praying, it's resonating with what you heard on that CD. I just want you to come down here with me. I want us to pray together. You sense God's brought me here for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I believe we're going to reach thousands. I believe we're going to reach thousands. Can you see it? Can you see thousands coming to Jesus? Can you see the prayer room filled with young adults? Your sound your song, your prayers, your way. Can you see them coming out of LGBTQ? Can you see them coming out of opioid addictions? Can you see them getting delivered from depression? Can you see them getting delivered from confusion with their identities? Can you dream it? Can you believe it? Can you see Jesus moving in power? Demons being driven out of people. Jesus! Jesus! Son of David! We believe this is the moment! We believe God. For an entire generation that Satan's trying to just 
put through the ringer to completely turn them upside down to lose their identity to lose their humanity but we know you made us in your image and likeness so God we're asking for a power from on high a power from another age Come on, just lift your voices with me. A power from heaven. To drive back darkness. To bring breakthrough and deliverance. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at GatekeepersATI. We'll see you in the next episode.